Welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie Folkstead. You are Reed Tingley. And we're here to talk about Oregon's win over Stony Brook. Um, (laughs) Some people are, you know, overreacting. It's what happens when you play and beat an FCS team. I didn't see a ton of problems, but obviously we'll, we'll get into all that stuff later. However, before all that, Reed, you are back in New Orleans. Is that correct? Yes, I'm back in New Orleans. Uh, just got in today, actually. That's why we didn't get this out uh, on Saturday night. Well, that and we were up late watching UCLA <laughs> Fresno, a pretty awesome game. We were texting back and forth during that. Uh, a bunch of good games on Saturday. Saturday was actually like, I guess you went to the game, so you you had probably a little different experience. Quite a bit of but it, yeah. <laughs> for me, it was it was one of those just classic college football nine a.m. Till midnight, pretty much. I was watching games, and there was a good game in every single window. So it was a pretty awesome day of football. Yeah, definitely. The we'll get into the walk to Otson and everything that surrounded the the day yesterday. But yeah, totally agree. I mean, from what I saw, obviously I, I missed some of it being at the game, but I I was able to sit my ass down for a good oh, let's see, nine till like one or two what is that four or five hours i i got a good helping in the morning there were some good morning games too like you said good games in every window but yeah we'll go over some national stuff a little later we'll talk about this game and then we'll also hit the kind of around the pack 12 just because it's a really good week to <laughs> sort of evaluate where the pack 12 is not just in the national lens but also within the Pac-12, like who's even good? We don't really know. I, I mean, <laughs> depending on your definition, th- that might be a very, very small amount of teams. But again, we'll get into that in a little bit. First yeah. of all, I just want to say that I am very proud of my fellow students on Saturday because, and I mean, trust me, I know plenty of people who did bail on this game either bailed early or honestly bailed on the walkover. But I overall, I was very <laughs> proud. And I know this was tough to see on the broadcast because literally right before kickoff happened, the sun came out, ironically. But, man, it was pouring. Like, you don't want to go outside pouring. It's the type of pouring where you look, you're, if you're in your house and you look outside, you're like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> good thing I don't have to go outside right now. Like, it was... It was wet as hell. I mean, we got two blocks away from our house for reference in Eugene. That's basically from like Hilliard Street Market on 17th. Like we got about two blocks and everyone was already completely soaked. (laughs) It was just, it was nuts. Um, Personally, I had my poncho, so I was feeling pretty good about like how prepared I was, you know? I had my yeah. yellow poncho. It was perfect. Hell yeah. Um, it, it didn't really do much, if I'm being honest. Like, <laughs> the rain was so bad that my entire bottom half still got soaked pretty much instantly. It's the type of deal where, like, you could take off your shoes and pour out a bunch of water from them. And yet, the student section was more filled out than the rest of the stadium. So if any more old heads want to, like, hit us up about not being... Trust me, I've, I've had my disagreements... I mean, I'm on the same side of most people who say, like, the student section is weak and stuff. 
Like, I agree. It's, it's been pretty weak in recent years. But personally, I do my part, and the students did their part this weekend. So I would just like to get that out of the way in the first place. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how this how Autzen looks this whole season, really. I mean, sadly, there's not like a marquee game exactly, but mm-hmm. I think the standard's been raised at Oregon over the past decade for like yeah. what is a great team. And being yeah. number three now is is kind of a – I think we'll, we'll probably bring a lot of people out. That's just the reality of it. Like you can call those people casual fans. Like you're, you're not wrong in that. But at the same time, people like to root for a team that's in the playoff hunt and playing really well and stuff. So probably yeah, will lead to better crowds. They're Fairweather fans at every single fan base. I mean, we don't really need to oh, go yeah. over this. Right. Oregon maybe more than others. I, I don't have a database on that, so I couldn't tell you. But yeah, man, like, please, the rest of the state, the adults were the ones I was more concerned about. Like, really, you people who paid like hundreds of dollars for your tickets, maybe not that much because it's Tony Brook, but still people who paid like real money for their tickets. You're the ones not showing up like that's on you. That, that's not my problem. I, <laughs> yeah, I my for sure. Semi free student ticket and just ran with it. So <laughs> we'll see how it looks against Arizona. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, I think I think Arizona will probably be good because return to conference play and, and Stoops will be pretty much back then, right? I mean, they start the next week or something. Correct. So. Yeah, classes start next Monday, and yeah. yeah, the game's on Saturday, so everybody should be in town. The other thing I I was thinking about during the game was I'm not making excuses here. Like, literally, part of the reason the student section sometimes doesn't look as filled out as it could be is students cram together. I mean, we're in there like sardines. You know, you yeah, want the whole true. squad to be in the same row. That's true. Sometimes sure. people, a lot of times people are even standing in between the rows. So, hey, you know, just keep that in mind, right? When you're getting angry at college kids on Twitter, just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to hit on before we kind of get into it is uh, people, again, go go check out over on Scoop Duck. As you know, I recently joined that team over there. Um and I just put out a story on on four-star linebacker Devin Jackson. I interviewed him after that Ohio State game. It was super interesting to get his thoughts on that. Um, and the whole team over there is putting out a bunch of good stuff on on the football side of it. And then also recruiting's heating up heating up a bit. It's going to be a big visit weekend this this upcoming weekend uh, for the Arizona game, or at least pretty big. Um, so some interviews are going to come out about that and. Yeah, it's just a good place to be, man. When we're not recording this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's the spot to be for to be a part of the Ducks community, really, in my mind. Oh, 100%. The same way. Yeah. yeah, obviously, yeah. we talk about it quite a bit. That's where I get my news for the most part. Um, nobody has more inside info than, than J-Hop. So, yeah, go check out Scoop Duck if you haven't. It's worth the sub. Yeah, no lie. For real. Um, okay, shall we dive into this game? Yeah, let's do it. So I can people can quit listening to me bitch about student <laughs> sections and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Oregon 48, Stony Brook 7. Those seven points for the Seawolves came in the first quarter of the game. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't have a whole – I kind of teased this earlier. I don't have a whole lot to complain about with this game. 
quarterbacks all together, 22 for 30, 263, and three touchdowns. Uh, we held Stony Brook's QB to 10 completions on 23 attempts, 131 yards. But let's be honest, anytime this type of game happens, unless it's up north, it's usually a glorified scrimmage, as you mentioned last week. Also, Oregon defense, three takeaways, all interceptions. Verone McKinley had two of them. We had one – or wait, four – no, four takeaways. There was the fumble as well. I forgot about that. Brandon Buckner forced a fumble. We had a Dante Thornton touchdown. We had Ty Thompson playing the entire second half of the game. But yet, all those good things aside, you know, at halftime, it was 17-7 to in favor of the Ducks. And that's probably a little less than a lot of people were expecting. I find yeah. it interesting, though, that this fan, like some, again, certain members of this fan base, just complain about things that only happened during the, the chip years. For example, like, why, why are we only scoring 48 against Stony Brook? Why aren't we scoring more? We should have an insanely good offense. Like, Chip, chip was so much better than what this is. Like, <laughs> I don't think people appreciate how otherworldly that offense is. It is, I mean, there are few, there are a handful of offenses in the history of college football that can stack up to that one um, in terms of like how fresh it was and how just undefendable it was. Seriously. Well, and yeah, not only, not only was it like efficient and, and all of that, but it's also like, built to score in a minute or less, which is like insane. Um, But that's how you put up 70 is you just score within a minute every time. And this team just isn't built to do that. I mean, I think the the first half stuff to me was, you know, yes, you should be up more than 17-7 at half, but people just like were so, their minds were just like so reduced down to the – to the halftime score and you look at the drives that happened, like you go through the first uh, four or the first three drives for Oregon and first four drives for Stony Brook. Oregon Mm -hmm. gets a field goal, touchdown, touchdown, and Stony Brook scores one touchdown, not ideal, but it it was the only touchdown of the game. So like all that Mm -hmm. first seven is absolutely fine. And people just don't realize the half isn't that long, especially when, Stony Brook was running down the clock a pretty decent amount. I mean, they had a oh, their yeah. second drive, six plays, waste three minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> usually doesn't happen. But, but people are – like, I think there are probably people with 10 minutes left in the second half when we get the ball – or in the second quarter when we get the ball who said, how does Oregon only have 17 right now? Well, I can tell you how. They only <laughs> had three possessions. Yeah. <laughs> The two touchdowns exactly. and a field yeah. goal. That's how they have 17. It's That's not they, terrible. Yeah. They scored four points less than the maximum you could have scored on their possessions. And then they had the two um, two plays, two drives that they didn't uh, score on. I mean, one. Yeah, mind you, like one, they got the ball from the side or 10 yard line. Yeah. One, they got the ball from the one. Yeah. So it's just ridiculous. I, like, people will always find something to complain about. It's really, yeah. it's really not a big deal. Now, if Stony Brook were up 17 to 7, yes, there is cause for concern there. If, you know, if we're losing to an FCS team at halftime, 
I'm okay if you're complaining about stuff. I understand right. like you want to hold the program to a higher standard than a 10 point lead at halftime, or maybe even a higher standard than 48 points total in the game, but just save your breath, man. Just enjoy yeah. some damn football. <laughs> and I just, I don't, you know, I just can't some, there's this whole thing just with, with media that I try to try to not do where it's just, Oh, every game has to mean so much, especially like this game. People are like, this will define the Oregon program. You know, it's like, no, la- last week was the game. This yeah. game isn't, this game's just, nobody's watching. Let's have fun, let's have fun watching some football and, and see, some, you know, what some of the young guys look like. It's not like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Oregon said everything, all the right things in the post game. And it's, I mean, it's just Stony Brook. Like, again, I mean, well, before this game, I was respect the opponent, but based on how Mario treated them and how they didn't <laughs> shake hands, now it's kind of like, screw Stony Brook. I don't, I don't yeah, think. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to get that mad about it, but I'm also. Um, In all anyway. seriousness, like it's, it's, it was pretty bad. I didn't really understand what was happening. Like, I didn't even know there was drama between them until I got back home and I was like on my phone and stuff. Like, apparently that came from the cheap shot on Franklin during that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which again, I didn't see the clip of until I was back home, but overall there's just not that much to be mad about in this game. I mean, we got to see some young guys, as you said, I don't think there were any injuries during the game. Again, we're going to talk about AB in a little bit. Maybe he got dinged up. Um, Franklin obviously took the cheap shot, but I assume he's fine. But, like, if, if you're that guy or girl on Twitter, like, saying that, oh, like, um, Aaron Fentress said, oh, oh dude, well, Tony Morgan, <laughs> Oregon would, Oregon would have beat even a bad Pac 12 team with this performance. It's like, we weren't playing a bad Pac 12 team. <laughs> yeah. Like, and we would also, because as we learned this week, the bad Pac 12 teams, are worse than some FTS, FCS teams, like legitimately worse than them. Yeah, and it all ch- – it just – everything changes. Kayvon's <laughs> playing against Stanford if it's this week, or Swenson's playing, or Keith Brown's playing, or all of them probably. Like the whole thing, it's just so different. If we're playing someone like a Stanford, it's just a ridiculous thing to say. It's just like you're reaching yeah. so hard just to – draw up interactions and it it's just bad it's, it's not even bad, for that yeah. it's just like again i think uh, this is why i'm kind of hesitant to just call people out sometimes because i think it comes from a good place it comes from a place of wanting to improve and of, as i said earlier yeah. holding your program to a higher standard you're you will not make a difference in doing that i promise you i promise you mario does not care what you say and I promise you that he knows more about this program right now than you ever will. So I'm not really that. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> and again, we're shouting into the void with this. So let's get into the game a little bit, shall we? Yeah. Oh, going to lose it. I probably just made so many enemies in those first like, two segments. <laughs> um... <laughs> okay. We touched on injuries a little bit. No uh, no KT, obviously. No Justin Flo. We don't expect to see him for a while, if at all. No Braden Swinson. 
no Keith Brown, right? Minimal Keith. I think Minimal he might have played Keith a snapper too, but but I saw him dressed, and that was because of injury as well. Yeah, Chriswell said after the game that he was like prepared to play in case of emergency, but they agreed that it was best for him if he didn't have to. So interesting. Okay. Yeah, we saw Nate starting it inside linebacker alongside uh, Noah Sewell, who had 10 tackles, by the way, again. So <laughs> he seems like he's pretty good. <laughs> he, he might be okay. Yeah. I think he, that, that's just real quick. Again, last time I'm going to do this with the fans thing. How do you look at a guy like Noah Sewell and look at the rest of the Pac 12 and say, we're in trouble? I, I legitimately don't, I can't comprehend this. What type of Kool Aid is Fentress drinking, man? I, I yeah. don't understand. Like, he's going to wreck the Pac 12 this year, just like he did last year as a true freshman. <sighs> okay, sorry. Um, yeah, man, we, we kind of mentioned the, the drive chart in the first half. Like, there, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Second half, and this is, I think, what we're going to end up talking about most in terms of what actually happened during the game. Ty Thompson comes in and tears it up, dude. Well, okay, sorry, sorry, a reaction. He didn't tear it up. He threw nine passes. But in my, again, this is another case where, as always, we'll have to check the tape later, see, have Day or QB11 break down some of these more intricate reads that, I can't understand in real time yet, but it looked fine to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two touchdown passes, I believe. Yeah. One, both to other true freshmen, which is always nice to see. Oh yeah. You know, didn't make any egregious mistakes, no turnovers, nothing like that. It was cool. I thought it was cool to see, to see some tie. I thought, you know, luckily Anthony's injury doesn't seem like it's too serious. So I thought getting a chance to just get tie reps, you know, it was unfortunate when we were only up 10. I think everyone, the fans' biggest, at least the rational fans' biggest thing was just, oh, it's a bummer if we don't get to see some backups get play, some young guys get play in this game. Mm -hmm. And so the situation honestly kind of ended up working out for the best, I thought. Um, Getting to see Ty was really good. Uh, He played pretty well, like you said. Uh, You know, he wasn't – wasn't an insane performance, but he got reps in Austin and in Austin led some good drives, um, completed passes to other freshmen, got people involved. So I thought it was a good thing all around. I thought, uh, the whole second half was really good. Um, and yeah, other things that stood out, you mentioned, you know, the, the pass to the passes to, uh, Ferguson and Thornton for the touchdowns, Thornton, especially, Look really good on that 54 oh, yeah. yard. Touchdown. That's the play of the game for me, personally. Oh, got to be. Yeah, got to be. Um, he's going to be really good. He's going to be yeah, really man. good. Just the energy on that play, too, if we, can, if we can indulge ourselves for a second. I love when a player takes off their helmet celebrating. I don't know why. It's just like, it's kind of like a, you know, soccer when they score, you take off your jersey. Like, it's just a super it's exciting you know it's always exciting to see someone you know rip off their helmet and just start barking and it was great I think he got a penalty for it I know it's something you can get penalized for if you're on the field 
Hello, you know where that you know where that rule comes from? The U. Yeah, the U. Yep, yep. <laughs> so funny. great. One of my favorite documentaries ever, by the way. If you haven't oh, yeah. seen the U, it's in my opinion, it's the best thirty for thirty. You gotta check it out. Oh, it's a, it's terrific. And Chris Bowles. I yeah, think Chris Bowles at least it. he's in both of them, right? Because he's I in. I think the, so. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Anyways. Really good stuff, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just awesome. Uh, I will say though, there's probably some people at home. I was just doing a Twitter live thing earlier today. People were talking about how why don't we just play these young guys more? And I get the sentiment. I I understand Thornton looked good. Franklin, we know is going to be good. But I will say, look at how the receptions break down right now. They're yeah. pretty balanced. Yeah. Yeah, Thor- Ferguson got legitimate minutes in, in Columbus. Yeah. Montevallo yeah. caught a damn touchdown in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Troy Franklin is listed as the starter for this team. And Thornton, get, you know, Thornton got some play at the end of this game. I think there's a good chance he comes on more. Um, a lot of people are always wondering about Devin Williams. Based on his career, I don't think that that's really a coaching staff thing. Um, I think he's good, though. I do think he's good, and we all are. We all are amazed by the potential of Devin Williams. That's never been the issue. But I, I think sometimes it's you know the player has to earn it, and also Johnny Johnson is guy who does a lot for this team from a leadership perspective. All those receivers are going to be better for having Johnny Johnson in that room right now. hundred percent. Yeah. And he's going to play some snaps and he's going to be good. And he's, he's very solid. He's not going to lose us any games because he's playing in there. Um, most likely, I think, you know, he, he doesn't, there's a reason he wasn't rated as highly as Troy Franklin or Dante Thornton was. We all know that, but also it's not like he's the only receiver getting touchdowns in this off or getting touches yeah. in this offense at all. That That's just not how the breakdown of the receiving group is. And I think people bring up like Dylan Mitchell or they brought up Dylan Mitchell on this Twitter live. And I was just Dylan Mitchell, our, our receiver room could not be more different <laughs> than it was in 2018. Exactly. In 2018, we had one guy who was elite and no one else who was very good. Like, yeah. save a little bit of uh Jalen Red here and there was was pretty solid. I mean, yeah, but, he was still a freshman though. Yeah. Yeah, but this year it's completely different. We have you know, 10 pass catchers who are all pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um with the tight ends and and receivers, a bunch of guys and some of the running backs who all can make a play at the ball and Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton are going to be elite down the road. But they are not that much better than those guys in terms of the holistic thing of, you know what, why did we win the edge versus yeah. Ohio State? It's blocks by Johnny Johnson and DJ Johnson. Yep. We didn't, we didn't, and you don't know if those plays are touchdowns if, if Franklin and Thornton are out there as true freshmen. Yeah, exactly. So it's just – it's, You know what it is? It's people – it's just people who want to sound like they know what they're talking about. They just want to have this. They seriously like they want to have like the. I'll save that metaphor. They, they want to win the pissing contest of knowledge. You know. Yeah. It's it's really like this is the hill you're gonna die on. People, come on, you're better. I think I think we just learned 
this weekend, and we'll get into more of it, but like especially seeing that Fresno result at UCLA, Oregon fans right now just don't have a lot to complain about. And, no, we don't. <laughs> and this isn't me saying we're going to go 12-0, we're, we have no chance of losing. There, We could have something to complain about down the road. We could show up lethargic and get beat or almost get beat to a Pac-12 team we're much better than. But through three weeks, the Ducks have played damn well. Fresno State was a little scary, but hey, we learned it. Fresno State looks like they're the 20th best team or 22nd. They're ranked by the AP, who that's worth. I would, I would honestly the bump way, them but, up a little bit, and we'll yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But yeah, but yeah, man, but they looked really legit last night. Let's save our our. You know, why are we creating things to get angry about before we need to? Now's the time to be happy, everybody. We're playing well. The Ducks are playing very well. They have two of the most impressive results of any team in the country in week one and two. And yes, the start was a little slow versus Stony Brook, but it was a delayed kickoff. It's after a super emotional win in Columbus. Also, we scored on our first three drives. (laughs) Yes, also, we didn't actually start out very slow, actually. Uh, We, the the big, the glaring weakness that quote-unquote a a top four team would not do is to not put up points starting from your seven and your one yard line. Apparently <laughs> no top four team would ever not score from against Stony Brook, even from 99 yards away. No top four team ever in the history of football could ever not put points up on a drive against an FCS team. Incomprehensible. Honestly. It's just it's uh, it's just making stuff up. I mean, and I will I will call this team out if, if it's bad against a against a Pac-12 team. Oh yeah, we, our we listeners a, from last year will know we were not. <laughs> yeah, last year we gave a lot of caveats as there should be because of COVID. But I mean, when we're mad at something, we don't mince words about it. <laughs> but it's just making things up. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. 17, again, the, with the first half, which is the crux of the complaint, 17 points on five drives with that field position is just not that bad of a result. It's not great. You'd like to score more, but it's, it is not horrible, awful. Um, no top five team would do it. Anyways, the one area of concern I think is legitimate coming out of this game is the offensive line. I don't know what, what's up with that. That's Anthony Brown got knocked out because of it, basically, to end this in the first half. Maybe he could have come on if it was a more serious game. We don't know the details because famously Chris Paul doesn't tell literally anyone the details of injury information at all, um, which I respect his ability to do that, but it's a bit frustrating for those who are trying to figure out what's going on. But anyways, O-line, bad stuff. Um it's yeah. a head it's a head scratcher on paper how Ohio State didn't pressure the quarterback or sack the quarterback very much at all. And yet Stony Brook gets two sacks back to back and finishes the game with what was it? Let me check real quick. I don't know. It it just seemed like they were generating a lot more um a lot more pressure than they should. 
Uh, and so the three good sacks, news, three sacks for Sterling. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. The good news I think is and, and a bunch of tackles for a loss too, or mm-hmm. five tackles for a loss, which is a bunch for Sony, bro. Um, the good news is most of the stuff is coachable. I mean, when you get a, when you're able to get a push against Ohio state, you know, okay, physically we can kind of do this thing. Uh, it's not like we're just getting blown off the ball, but when you're missing blitzers, um, and you're not communicating, then anyone can beat you. I mean, these are all athletes out here. They all can run and, you know, tackle one-on-one with a quarterback and stuff pretty much, um, especially when the quarterback doesn't see them. So, yeah, it, it was bad. That part of it's bad. Uh, good news again, and I'm this. I really this is not me like bailing out the team or or making excuses, but. If it's going to happen, it's against Stony Brook. This is the time to get the kinks out. Um, And when it shows up in an important game, in an important moment, I will partially criticize it. But right now, it was bad. It's a place that needs a lot of attention. But I think, you know, ultimately, hopefully, it will get worked out. Another question I think that people are bringing up, the tackle rotation. Yeah, yeah. I don't really understand that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not supposed to. I, yeah. I don't know if it's something I should be angry about or not. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I just, uh, I'll be honest, I just don't have the football knowledge to really comment on it. It just feels a little ridiculous to say that it's something that you can never do that's super stupid when you're you know, as if we have the right to debate Cristobal on that. Mm -hmm. But regardless, for me, it's about the, the result is the thing that's unacceptable. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't really care whether the tackles rotate or not. Cristobal and Mirabal can figure that out. I trust them to kind of do that, but whether they're rotating or whether they're not rotating, you got to be able to pick up a blitz as that offensive line unit. If you can't do that, it's just not good enough. And it wasn't good enough versus Stony Brook, but still they won 48, seven. So yeah. What do you think? Yeah. As always, this is something I'm looking forward to on film review because among other things that are difficult to discern in the stadium, Offensive line play and picking out who's doing well and who's not is most certainly one of them. Although I will say the new video board does help quite a bit. Uh, that thing is huge, man. I've said this many yeah. times before on the pod. Yeah. It's just, it's massive. If you haven't been it's back to the stadium insane. yet, it's like almost twice the size of the old one, um, which is still there, by the way. The other big one is, is still there. So it's easier to see. featured on our logo. Correct. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, as a student from the student section, it's easier to see the new big one now. Yeah. We're just angled that way more. So I say all that to say, well, actually, I'm not done saying things. <laughs> Austin doesn't really do replays of plays because I was, I was really looking at it quite a bit just to see, like, what goes wrong on these, like, plenty of these three-yard runs that, you know, we expect to be winning blocks on every time against Stony Brook and it's not happening. They give you like the, the action of the, 
of the replay, right? They show you like the tail end of a carry or like as soon as, you know, they'll show you, they'll start the highlight like when the quarterback is handing the ball off and end it right as the player is getting tackled. So it's like not super helpful for nerds like me who want to see how our left guard did on second and 10 from our own 30 when we're up 30 points against Stony Brook. So, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Obviously on the sacks, we'll be able to tell who did and didn't do their jobs correctly. But overall, I'm with you, man. I was not impressed with the offensive line, even defensive line too. I mean, compared to how they played last week, just shutting down the Ohio State run game, I don't have both numbers in front of me, but I want to say Stony Brook outrushed Ohio State. Of course, you know, Stony Brook was always going to run the ball a bit more than Ohio State because their game plan is to spread it out and get it to their first round picks. And Stony Brook's is to kill as much clock as they can while they have the ball. (laughs) But still, you know, 140 yards rushing on 39 carries. Also, I would also like to point out uh, at one point during this game, I think it was at the beginning of the fourth quarter, or yeah, it was end of the third quarter, actually. They showed stats on both the video boards, and I forgot to post this, but I will later on. The, <laughs> the old video board had Stony Brook's passing yards super inflated. They had them at almost 400 passing yards. <laughs> and me and a couple other people around me were like, what? What? Like, is that? that can't be right and then we look over to the other board that has the correct stats and we're like what i assume is the correct stats we're like okay okay got it so i don't know who messed up on that but at one point it said stony brook had 400 passing yards so i would just like to get that out there yeah yeah and you're you're right uh ohio state had 128 stony had 140 so similar (laughs) but yeah how many carries did ohio state have um 31 Oh, 31, 39. So yeah, not a huge difference there, but yeah. still interesting. Yeah, I think the, the D line, I mean, I just am going to excuse so much because they worked their ass off last week and a lot of, a lot of people were out, you know, Swenson yeah. and KT, especially, I mean, Swenson uh, is working him out himself into almost you know superstar status on that defensive side um just with how he stepped up after after kt went down he's a real playmaker and then i think people just are forgetting even how good Kayvon thibodeau is Mm -hmm. because you go i mean re-listen to our podcast post fresno state (laughs) and us just talk about like oh man that defense was just so much better with Kayvon Thibodeau in there for those nasty. eight minutes. Absolutely and nasty. yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, we, what he was on the field for like eight minutes and we forced two turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> Including so, one that was directly him getting a strip sack. Yeah. Yeah. Please. <laughs> so when he's back, this defense has the chance to really, I think go up a notch. Um, it just changes everything. It it's his, that the value of an edge rusher in modern football is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, outside the quarterback and maybe some, some of the other skill positions, uh, it's tough. It's tough to really find a position that's more important, that can be more disruptive. Uh, yeah, especially when your entire defense is built around 
you know, getting a guy to the quarterback. And obviously, yeah. like, DeRuiter switched it up for Ohio State and threw a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, I mean, again, I, I did kind of the defensive scheme preview for the Emerald at the beginning of this year. And everything I saw and read and heard from DeRuiter about this defense was that, like, you know, it was kind of geared towards we want KT launching himself at the quarterback as much as possible. Right. And that's what, yeah. again, that's what we saw from the very limited sample size um, that we have so far. And of course, the other famous thing that DeRuiter has been successful in mm-hmm. is turnovers, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool, which we obviously, that was a big thing we all missed last season. We didn't get only. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we famously lost the turnover battle. Um, and yeah, this has been awesome on both sides, too. The offense deserves a kind of a ton of credit for not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Um, but the defense has forced some big ones. It's kind of cool to me, too, that they forced them versus Fresno and Stony Brook. They didn't even need them versus Ohio State. Um, the, you know, the Verone one, again, it was an awesome play, but I think that the kind of symbol of him getting a turnover there and just him getting to run to the other corner of the end zone mm-hmm. was more important than that actually that turnover actually being like a dramatic shift yeah. in the result of the game like yeah. it was it was a cool moment where it's like we get the ball back we did it but it was also like it's fourth and 18 if they don't get that if they call the holding then it's third and 28 <laughs> if they call both the holdings that were really egregious yeah um yeah. So it, it wasn't like we needed turnovers to, to flip the Ohio State game, but we've been getting them consistently. Uh, and it's, it's cool if we can keep that up. Turnovers change the game. It's interesting. Turnovers are one of the most interesting things in football because somehow, however many decades into this sport, there's still no consensus on whether or not you can coach turnovers. It's like, <laughs> honestly, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a wild thing, but um, DeRuiter thinks you can. And so far it's, it's worked out for Oregon. And and also part of it's DeRuiter, but also you just got to say Verone McKinley, man, that it, it's a few individual players too. And Verone on Saturday was the one that made those two, two big interceptions. Um, mm-hmm. He's, a, he's turned into a real playmaker. Barone has been one of the most fun careers to watch at Oregon in a while because him getting thrown into that fire in 2019, and we all know how the Auburn game ended for him, um, and him responding through that, and now having him step up as this bona fide leader and star of, of this new age of Oregon is really fun. And I hope that he will be one of those leaders that, that helps keep this team's head straight uh, through Pac-12 play. 100%. Oregon right now is third in the entire – well, tied for second, actually, in the entire nation in turnover margin. Uh, we've intercept. let's see. Wait, what, is, what does that even mean? Okay, Rutgers is plus eight, so good for them, I guess. Uh, in fact, I've lost some money on Rutgers getting turnovers and having just a terrible offense, but it not even mattering. Is Hence, Oregon not plus eight? We're plus seven. Really? Yeah, because we, we have eight takeaways, but we threw one interception. Or no, we have one fumble, I believe. Huh. Where was the fumble? I don't even remember it. Me neither. But No, we fumbled yeah. versus Fresno. We had a bad fumble versus Fresno, I think. Take AB me. got 
Yeah, I think AB got stripped on the first Fresno, maybe. I want to say AB threw a pick, but that doesn't line up with what I'm seeing on this website. So, Mm-mm, I think it was an early strip first Fresno. Anyways, okay. uh, or not early. It was a. It was. I think it was in the third quarter. Anyways, um, others can look that up if they if they really want to. Uh, <laughs> but I think. Anything else you want to hit on from this game? I feel like we, or I guess other standouts. I, I do want to shout out uh, Brandon Buckner too. Which yeah. I guess we can just yes. give our MVPs. I'll, I'll go first. Go ahead. Offensively, I'm giving it to, I, I'm giving it to Thornton just because okay. that was awesome. Play of yeah. the game. I've always, I've been a Dante Thornton fan for such a long time. Um, he was just, I was just really intrigued by him. Uh both in his play style, his size, speed, just the, his, his ability to move uh, at that size with his frame. I just thought he was going to be really good. And then also, I just kind of thought his story was really cool that he is from Baltimore and he thought Oregon was his dream school. I, I kind of have a mm-hmm. soft spot, I guess, for people who are from across the country and connect <laughs> with the Oregon brand. I think I just think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um and then on the defensive side, I guess I got to go for Roan. Uh, he was just so good. He, he's he's just – it's like I basically just said it, but it's just so cool to see Verone step into his step into his own and become yeah. a real impact player and get also some national recognition for, for mm-hmm. the work he's been doing. So I'll go with those two. I think that's a good shout. I also had Verone as my defensive. To shout out another name – I mean, you mentioned him already as well, but Buckner getting the strip, yeah. that was really cool. He's a guy who, I mean, <laughs> again, I'm not saying that Swinson or Buckner are going to turn into KT eventually, but they have very, very high ceilings. Again, yeah. here's another thing similar to the, the chip offense remark I was making earlier. You can't expect Kayvon level production out of these defensive ends going forward. Right. That right. doesn't mean they can't be great players. That doesn't mean they can't be regular starters and be top end Pac-12 talent. Just stop holding everybody to the best standard you've ever seen. Um, And if you pair a few of those with each other, they can still produce a really effective defense. I mean, there's mm -hmm. plenty of great defenses in this country and none of them have cave on except for ours and ours hasn't even had cave on for the past two weeks. Exactly. Uh, it was good to see Jake Shipley get some snaps out there too. Terrell Tillman, those guys don't usually get a ton of PT, but hopefully going forward, see a little more of them. I want to shout out Suava Poti as well, getting the sack yeah. and a tackle for loss. Yeah, that was that was awesome, man. He's yeah, a guy who a you call. just you never you'll always see him. Like I don't know, I'll always see the name on the depth chart, but. I, I can't really say anything. Like, I don't really know anything about him. But, yeah, again, it's just awesome when these when these guys who don't normally get a shot, like, get to go out there and make plays. That's fun. Uh, Max Wysocki, I think. Lucas Noland. Yeah, a bunch, um, of, a bunch of those guys got to play in Austin, which is just awesome to see. Yeah, again, like, you should never disrespect walk-ons. They're the ones who aren't even getting their tuition paid and are, like, <laughs> beating themselves up every day for a fraction of a difference on the field. It's awesome. Keanu Williams, I think I saw out there. Jalen Smith, I don't know. Anyways, my offensive MVP is Travis Dye. 
Oh yeah. I don't, I don't really know if I need to explain that one much. He just looked really impressive. Um, and again, we we're used to seeing it at this point, but he's just his speed still surprises me every time I see it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because again, the gloves thing, he just doesn't look as normal as he could as a running back. Maybe it's just because I, I literally don't know. I don't have an explanation for it, but he always looks <laughs> faster than I expect. Yeah. It's funny when, whenever I'm watching ducks highlights around, around people who aren't ducks fans, um, which is a lot, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, you know, people see Travis die and they immediately kind of are like, who's that guy? That guy's not wearing gloves and he's a little smaller and everything. Um, and Ducks fans even went through that kind of process with him. But we all know the story last year. He was so impressive and stepped up with CJ being kind of in and out of the lineup for so much. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just so cool to, to see him. Anytime he's called on, he's just such a low ego guy. Um, and it was so cool to see him and CJ looking on the field. I, you probably didn't get to see it, um, but during from the broadcast, they were showing him and CJ looking on when Trey Benson and Seven McGee oh, finally got that. in to get their carries. It That's was just so, so cool. cool. It was like, those guys are such great program guys. Um, and die, obviously, the name means so much with, with what Troy did here. But, but again, you just can't discount the impact that these players are going to have on the culture of this team um, throughout this year. And, again, we saw this group or this program in 2019 kind of have a, a successful start to the season, even though they lost against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but put themselves in the position where – they went into conference play and people actually believed they were the best team in the conference and they came out and, and played pretty well. But that group was just kind of trying to chart a path that they'd never done before. It was a mm-hmm. bunch of people who had grinded the whole four and eight to Rose Bowl champs, mantra and everything, but they're just trying to figure it out kind of on the go and, and doing their best and trying to figure out the right habits and, and create leadership and stuff through that. But now to actually have some real veterans who have been through a slog of Pac-12 play when the expectation was a conference championship and to win every week, um, it's going to be a huge benefit to this team, I think. 100%. Still got to love – I mean, I still got love for the old players on this team. I know everybody wants to play the kids, but, yeah, man, I, I got – all these guys are kids. <laughs> They're literally college students, so <laughs> – Die 87 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries. That's 5.8 yards a carry. Uh, you mentioned some other guys got some carries. Seven McGee got a couple. Trey Benson got a couple. Byron Cardwell as well. Uh, nothing concrete we can really take from those performances, but again, it's just good to get their feet in the door, so to speak. Yeah, Benson got his touchdown, which was cool. And then yep. the other guys, just solid carries. You know, three for Cardwell, two for McGee, 5.7 average for Cardwell 4.0 for McGee nothing uh, insane you know um Mm -hmm. but just get your feet wet exactly get some reps in Autzen um we were all hoping to see a breakaway run I know but but it's hard to do right I mean yeah there's there's a reason why uh, it's hard to do so can I give a a kind of I want to give a second pick for offensive player and offensive MVP. Yes. It's your, it's our podcast. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. That's true. 
Terrence Ferguson, man. Terrence yeah. Ferguson looked awesome again. Looked great against Ohio State last week. Um, four catches in this one. Had the touchdown pass from uh, Thompson on that lovely little like slip out concept. I know that's definitely not the right term to use, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, where it's, it looks like a run and he just kind of dribbles out in the back of the end zone. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, that, that was really cool to see. Pittman had a good catch at one point. Troy Franklin had a couple. Matavao a couple. Um, so, yeah, man, was, spreading around as usual. Good to see. Those freshman it. tight ends, man, by the end of this year and going into next year, they are going to be legit. Oh, um, yeah. They already are flashing those things, but man, to be three games in and, and they're already just eating away uh, snaps at tight end um, with a group of, of all solid players, you know. Uh, Dude, you know what? DJ serviceable, Web is serviceable, especially in the passing game, but they're they're just making a name for themselves, making it really hard to keep them off the field. Two questions. First of all, you mentioned Johnson. Did he play at all at tight end? I, I mean, I know he didn't have a catch, but I saw him on defense. I don't know if I saw him on offense at all. I don't think he did in this game. Um, but I I honestly – I wasn't paying attention. He didn't get the ball, at least I know, and I didn't see, like, a huge block from him that nothing stood out for me. But I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I would – I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was primarily defensive based on how much unavailability there was there. Yeah. It's funny. He yeah. was still listed as tight end on the depth chart. So I don't know. I feel interesting. I don't know. Maybe I did see him here and there, but he didn't do anything big. So, uh, and obviously based on the stats, I mean, it seems like Ferguson and Machabal played a bit, but I'll have to look over on the film review. Yeah, for sure. Second question. Do you remember, I don't, I, this might have been like the first ever episode we recorded of the Quacked Out Pod, but do you remember watching Matavao's commitment live on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, I totally remember <laughs> that, man. That was awesome. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. No, I was too. Yeah, we had our we had our Grasa ordered. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, watching Matavao commit. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Back when it would take us like three hours to start recording a pod. <laughs> now we just like sit down and hit record. <laughs> just get going. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, what do you want to talk about next? Is that kind of good on the game? I mean, I think we kind of, I think, I think that's definitely good. Um, let's, you want to just get into this PAC 12 business so much. So man, I'm honestly more hyped to talk about this than our game itself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. (laughs) Stay to the PAC 12 address. Did you want to just go through this game by game or what <laughs> yeah let's let's go through week three game by game and then we'll do a little ranking of the of the conference sounds that good. Sound good sounds good yeah first off um let's start with let's start with the early game usc and wazoo uh wazoo had the lead at halftime in this game 14 to 7 keaton slovis goes out for usc he got crunched up Five-star, I believe, Jackson Dart comes in uh, and has a monster game, uh, 30 for 46, 391 yards and four touchdowns. And USC end up running them out of their own stadium, and they blank them in the second half as well. That's 28 points in the third quarter and route to a 45-14 to 14 route of Wazoo. Reed, oh. is USC back? Are the Trojans back? Man, <laughs> this was a weird game to watch. Um because I, 
I thought that USC was going to fold. We kind of mentioned, you know, uh, Dante Williams taking over that you just never know what it was going to be like on a road, road game. And more than that, you kind of expected that there could be some struggles. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought this team would just fold earlier and then Dart comes in and, and he was impressive. I would give him that. Um, now Wazoo is simply not very good. Uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, we'll see where they fall in each of our Pac-12 power rankings coming up. Yeah. But yeah, but, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, they had a first and goal on the USC one uh, on their second drive. And they got stopped, and then they scored after that. But they easily could have been up twenty-one nothing. Wow. Um. So yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, pretty crazy game. It it looked like Wazoo was really going to take control of it, and then Dart settled in. I mean, he does look good. Uh, again, Wazoo's not a great team, but it's tough to argue with the performance that he put up for them. Um, thirty-eight nothing in that second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just all around a pretty impressive day for him. Two interceptions, yes, but four touchdowns and th- and almost 400 yards. Um, not not bad outing to say. Not the least. bad outing, and the offense looked dynamic. So I, you know, I'm not going to say USC's back. I still think <laughs> they've dug themselves a hole, losing a game out of the comp- out of the division mm-hmm. um, to Stanford. And now you look at what's going to happen if they just drop games here or there. Uh, they're just not consistent enough to win this division, I think. I mean, never say never, but I don't know. That but was, who is? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the least troubling result of the, of the Saturday for the Pac-12 by far. I mean, except for oh, Oregon's, of course. But, yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. was a little confusing, but it, it was okay in the end. Let's go over what would be in most well, weeks. Okay. Well, I actually shouldn't go say ahead. that. The, the Oregon State game was actually really a bright spot, too, if we want to touch That's on that true. for a second. Yeah, we can move to that. I, um, I, I mean, I didn't watch a second of it, just to be neither. honest. I was watching other games. <laughs> All I Oregon's, know about this is that they covered the spread, which was 28. So, good job, Oregon State. Yeah, and it's just a blanket team, 42 nothing versus Idaho. That – that's just something Oregon State couldn't have done a few years ago. You know? Nope. Um, That's true. That's a good point. So that was that was good, too. Shout out Oregon State. I wish they'd won that game at Purdue. Um, yeah. But per- Purdue also doesn't look like a horrible team. They, they competed with uh, Notre Dame a bit, and Oregon State competed with Purdue. And, you know, Oregon State isn't great, but at least they're doing their part. Yeah. You know, they're holding down where they should be, more or less. Uh, let's let's try to talk about some teams who also did their part. Let's just get those uh, out of the way. I'm not seeing anyone else on here. No, I'm seeing Washington, <laughs> I guess. Washington, Stanford, you know, yeah, took care Stanford. of business, covered against Vandy. Yeah. Yeah, Cal let's walk. Sac, Sac State, you know, good Wash- This Washington game, I only saw some highlights of. It was a little weird. I, I didn't think the Washington offense could put up 52, honestly. Me neither. Um, but, <laughs> I, I mean, you just can't really take much away from it at all at the same time. Yeah. Based on the results that they have 
versus Montana and Michigan, Howard, this this data point just means very little to me. I I, I don't we'll think see, that's we'll see biased. how they play next week. Yeah, exactly. Again, the, this is a wait and see result. Right. Off top, do you know who Washington plays next week? Mm, no, I don't. Who is it? They host California. Huh. A game they traditionally like to blow. <laughs> So I'm actually really curious. Maybe I'll look it up in a second what the spread is on that game. It's uh, got to be Washington by a lot. By a well, lot, by, really? But no, no, no. By not by a lot. But by ten. Washington by double digits, right? Uh, I would think so. But I don't, I don't know. know, man. I mean, they were so bad offensively, but they. I mean, this result does mean something to me. I shouldn't say it means nothing. But also, I guess I just mean if you're a Washington fan and you're, like, happy right now because you won this game and you're like, oh, let's let's see what the we – could, we could still win the Pac-12. Like, it's just way too early. Washington that. seven and a half is the spread yep. of that. Goodness gracious. Um, okay, I I just stay away from that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Honestly, maybe might. might oh, fuck, I don't know. Um. Well, yeah. Like as as I put out on Twitter, the Pac-12 North only lost one game today, and it was to another Pac-12 team. So I don't really see what the big deal is about this whole Pac-12 and flow. Oh my God! Then you wait till the end of the day, and you're like, holy crap! How can these <laughs> like literally every <laughs> single game is going the wrong way? Uh, let's get the early game out of the way. Colorado zero, Minnesota 30. <sighs> a lot of people, myself included, thought Colorado could win this game. They were favored even by a couple points. It was at home. Minnesota isn't a great team. What happened? I could not tell you, but nothing good <laughs> is the answer. And, and let me tell you, this game somehow, somehow, this might be the only time this has ever been uttered. This game was less and less competitive than 30 to nothing. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> like oh, it was I'm looking uh, at like the scoring right now. It was zero zero at the end of the first quarter. I'm looking at like the the win probability and I mean Minnesota scored and they never looked back, man. This game was over. By Minus night, the rushing disparity is one of the worst I've ever seen. Two hundred and seventy-seven yards to <laughs> minus nineteen. Oh my god! Wow, they had a team rush of one yard for minus, or one team rush for minus ten yards. Can you explain to me how that happened? Wow, that is just. I don't I don't understand what happened. They were only sacked no, sorry, they were sacked four times. Eight tackles for loss for that Minnesota defense. So and I guess this is after Colorado outrushed AM. AM, yeah. 171 to 97. While AM were missing their starting QB and couldn't throw the ball to save their lives. Yeah, I don't wow. I just don't get it's just strange. And Minnesota is still out there starting running back. 82 passing yards for Colorado in this game. Their starter went six 
of, or sorry, eight of 16 and their backup went four of eight. Those are both very bad. This just head scratching. Like I, it's like, I need to talk to a Colorado fan in my life. Like, well, like what happened? We've, we've said this a couple times on the pod. Colorado is like maybe the least hateable PAC 12 school, but damn, man, this is not a good showing for the conference. They keep putting up stuff like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna have some words for the buffs. I know we were. They just only had two turnovers. We, we were just talking about how we liked the buffs, man. They only now, had two turnovers and they lost by thirty. They didn't score a single point. Yeah. How does yep. that? Yep. Colorado, punt, 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 downs, half, punt, fumble, punt, punt, downs. And I think that includes – that must include like a like a kickoff fumble or something because – or it must have been a muff punt. Even – yeah, that was bad. Even just other games, like even the Cal game was bad. Like was it? We, I don't know anything about that game, for being honest. Well, I mean, just that they're – just like you can't be winning 42 to 30 to FCS teams. And then it, oh, they gave up there's 30? videos oh. of them celebrating in the locker room. And so I was just, oh, it was just, this is gross. This is gross. Exactly. It was gross. I might, dude, I might have to pump Cal down in my power rankings after, after just knowing the final score. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they were up 20 to 42, but. Okay. Dude, can we get, can we get into these late games for the South? Yeah, because yeah, this is really it. the bread and butter of what we want to talk right. about here. Right at this point, we're still at this point in the day. You're still like, okay, we got hit, but Stanford showed up big. Stanford looks solid now, and it's just okay. What was the, what happened with Colorado? But other than that, it's all fine. And then the nightcap happens with the with the with the start. South. Yeah, yeah. So it starts with Utah and SDSU. I was not able to watch any of this game because I stayed till the end at Autzen and they would show the score up on the board. And I was like, holy crap, this is not going well for the Utes. End up losing 33 to 31 in triple overtime. I'm seeing a highlight of a 100-yard kickoff return on here on ESPN. So I'm definitely going to have to go back and, and watch the highlights of this game. But what happened, Utah? I thought you were supposed to be legit. Like, I, I'm seeing that Charlie Brewer didn't play that much, or like, did yeah, he the, get hurt or something? I mean, I there... think he got hurt and the rising came in, or maybe he was just bad. I don't know. I didn't watch it either. I was. I watching mean, his Oregon stats are pretty terrible. Penn State, yeah. Auburn, and um... yeah, 14 of 26 for 100 yards and one pick. That's a terrible line. I hope they put Cam Rising in because then he had. 153 yards and three touchdowns afterwards so uh yeah not not great for utah who's supposed to be one of the contenders for this conference well what what if i told you that was the least damaging result of the final four games for the south what if i told you it was the least damaging out of any out of the all five losses in the south (laughs) yeah um let's do the (laughs) arizona state and byu (laughs) 
this was on my second screen when I got home as I was watching the, the Fresno UCLA game. From what I saw, Arizona State never really gave themselves a chance in this game. It kind of looked like BYU just isn't as bad as people were expecting them to be without Zach Hills, is that that guy's name? But, oh, dude, this is a brutal loss for the conference. This is a lot of people's, like, under-the-radar game of the week. It was between two ranked teams. Arizona was 19, BYU 23 in the AP. I mean, again, I watched the end of this, and Arizona State just could not get anything going in the fourth quarter. BYU only needed to score six, six points in the second half to end the game and win it by 10 points, so – yeah, and do you know, do you know what stat I'm gonna pick out here? Let me tell let me story. pull up the box score. Is it? Don't tell me. Oh, <laughs> I think I do, but go ahead. <laughs> Penalties. Yeah, sixteen <laughs> for one hundred twenty-one yards for Arizona State. That might be a problem. <laughs> that just makes you look so unserious. Uh, I can I can see the the Wilner column now. Does Herm Edwards have a discipline problem? That's just you know nice no. little subheading. <laughs> it's just so, but like throwback to the start of the season. Me and you are talking about you know first AP votes come out. We're t- all 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 we're talking about with the Pac-12 is hey look the Pac-12 actually depth in this conference you know, or that second tier isn't too bad. We got five ranked teams. Oh yeah. There's some good things. We just need a team to step up to that top level. We just need a team to get into that top five. Yeah. So let's on your fingers now, dear listeners count along with us. Is it Arizona state? No. Is it Utah? No. Is it, I mean, (laughs) USC, I think has lowered themselves or, you know, lowered themselves out of that. I don't think it's them. Is it UW? Uh, no. Is it UCLA? <laughs> we'll get to that one. Um, again, we'll do our, our power rankings in a little bit, but all those teams we were hoping, even Colorado, could it be them? No. Like All those teams we were hoping could maybe jump up into that sort of spot are just absolutely crapping the bed right now. It, it's the really pack, bad. The, the conference was just in such a good position to have it be if if it literally could have just been Oregon does what they do. If UCLA could just stay firm, they get up to that top fifteen range, and then we just have our other. We have you know sprinkle in a Utah, Washington, um, Arizona State, USC, so top 50 Stanford. Teams, for just, Christ's sake, just they Give have to something. be. If they could just be top twenty five or or top close to it, forty votes, yeah, <laughs> something you know, and and we just had at least two teams top fifteen, a top five, and you know sprinkle some in around the competitive top twenty five, top thirty five range. This conference looks good, but these teams just refuse to not embarrass themselves. I mean, the headline is one team left undefeated after three weeks. Yeah. And I mean, you can make whatever excuses you want. Like if you're thinking about how that might happen, there are 
I'm I'm looking through my spreadsheet right now. I don't see another. I mean, there there are no other Power Five conferences in which that's the case. I mean, the Big Twelve has outside of Kansas, the Big Twelve has lost three games total, and those are all the Power Five teams. Kansas lost to Coastal and Baylor, so even those aren't terrible losses. Like one of them's a necessary one, being in conference. ACC's had a rough go of things. ACC is bad too. Hey, Wake Forest still undefeated, baby. (laughs) So maybe we can hold on to that narrative of at least we're not the ACC, but I don't really think anyone's paying attention to that narrative in the first place. Uh, The Big Ten has looked pretty good. Penn State still undefeated. Michigan still undefeated. Those are always big for the, the brand of the Big Ten. Michigan State also got a big win over Miami. We'll talk about those other games later on. Iowa as well is somehow a top five team. I have some qualms with that, but I won't get into it. I don't even have to mention the SEC. Like you guys, the SEC takes care of business. I'm sorry, but they do. Like we had the Vandy loss to Eastern Tennessee State, but that's really the only embarrassing loss on here. Maybe you could argue Mississippi State losing to Memphis, but they weren't favored in that game. Kentucky's result versus uh, versus. Chattanooga this weekend wasn't great. They they pulled it out, but but again, I mean, the, the, the Pac-12 <laughs> certainly has no room to talk in that regard. Also, yeah, like I, I didn't really mean to get into this discussion, but real quick, I want to say closing out a game, even if you haven't done well in it, really does mean something. I mean, oh, ask yeah. Colorado if that quality loss at AM really means anything to them now. Right. <laughs> I mean – you think you don't think they play any differently if they win that game against Minnesota? I mean, <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, let, let's keep going through these games. Uh, we've teased it a little bit, but Arizona, man. <laughs> so their win total this year was one, right? It was a pretty solid one. If <laughs> and everybody was kind of like, okay, that Northern Arizona game is the one. Like, if they get that, that's, you know. <laughs> it was a plain one. It was one and a half, was it not? Uh, for all intents and purposes, that's basically the same thing, right? Because, like. Well, it's just whether it's a push or it's a. Yeah, yeah. But. Sorry, I, I hid our picks on the spreadsheet. Now I can't tell. But anyways, <laughs> I had the under for Arizona at <laughs> that number. Uh, and it's looking like a pretty good pick. You didn't you didn't watch this game, did you? I can't remember if we were talking about No, this. I didn't. I didn't. Read actually, wow, this is kind of bad. Um okay, so it was a scale tipping number. Their their win total. It was two and a half. Reed, you took the over on two and a half wins for Arizona this year. No way. Let the record show that Reed Tingley thought. Arizona would have three wins this year. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I think I took that back last week, though. I'm pretty sure I did. I but hope I, you did, because again, this yeah. was the thing where, like, you know, you would hear people like Buddy, El- Bud, El- oh, Buddy, hear people like Bud Elliott say, like, oh, I don't know if they can beat Northern Arizona, and then they don't beat Northern <laughs> Arizona. Like, this was bad. I It was a two-point loss because they failed a two-point conversion at the end of the game. They were down eight, went for two. Um, the few... And I, I will... Let ahead. me say this for in defense of myself. Okay. My 
my justification on that pick was one, I thought they'd beat Northern Arizona, obviously. But a lot of my philosophy behind that pick was me foreseeing that the Pac 12 is a lot of teams are vulnerable to bad losses, which has, That's fair. That's which fair. has come true. So, yeah, I know. And I, here's the thing I'm not calling that dead yet, I guess. <laughs> I mean, they got, they got. <laughs> Dude, they got Colorado, Cal, and Wazoo on the schedule. I can see three wins from those three games. And Washington, man. <laughs> and Washington, yeah. No, um, but but I, it, was a, it was a bad pick in <laughs> retrospect, and this is a horrible loss. But the Pac-12, man, I mean, any anything can happen in this conference. Um, Definitely so this, true. <laughs> This brings us to the final one of the night, unless you have anything else to say. No, let's please start talking about this. I'm so um, excited. I'll be honest. I'll start off like this. UCLA, it would have been great for them to get a win. It would have been really good for the conference. But this game, at least, you know, you go, you do come away from it with a ton of respect for Fresno. And it, and it was just a really entertaining game, at least. And UCLA was fighting, you know. Yeah. Um, but still, you just got to get it done. Yeah. Look, <laughs> there were so many plays in this game where I, I just looked at it and I was like, did that really just happen? Like I was watching yeah. it on with the sound off because other people were watching stuff in my house. <laughs> there was... <laughs> I, I want to start in the second quarter, I believe. Yeah, second quarter. Fresno's driving. They're up 20 to 10 at this point, which in the first place is kind of a bad look for UCLA. But it wasn't like they weren't competing. I mean, Fresno was just looking really good. Hayner's driving. They're driving. They make it down to to the uh, UCLA 37. Um, And then they throw a pick. Jake Hayner throws an interception. UCLA picks it in the end zone and takes it out to the 33 you're like okay that's you know that's a big pivot moment like ucla can there there's a minute left in this half like ucla and, can get and we know, points out of this we know chip is gonna you oh, of know, course call he's an aggressive yeah. offense yeah i believe they had multiple timeouts although i can't confirm that looking at the box score first play of the drive fumble first play of the drive. and let me tell you it was a Jameis fumble by dtr the man dropped the ball as he was taking it back to pass. It was just as simple as that. There was zero excuse for it. <laughs> and then Fresno get a field goal out of it. They go into the half up two scores, 23 to 10. Easily could have scored a touchdown too. Uh, yeah, it, exactly. That's the other thing I was going to say. That was probably the least insane, like, important thing that happened in this game was that sequence right there. Yeah. I just, I just want to go through, like, the scores through this half. So, Fresno up 23-10 at halftime. First drive of the half, back in business. UCLA score on a six-play drive, 23-17. Okay, Bruins are back in business, right? They force a four-play punt, uh, four punt from Fresno. They get the ball back. Okay, here you go. Going to take the lead. Nope. Three and out. Instantly. <laughs> Just anything you expected to happen never happened. Uh, Fresno adds a field goal, goes up two scores again, (laughs) 26-17. We 
<laughs> we're still in the third quarter and <laughs> this is when me and you really start texting back and forth about the game too can, can you go through this part because <laughs> i mean <laughs> exactly this was when we started communicating about it um ucla up fourth and one at, at midfield and you know fourth and one at midfield you're down nine points ships going for that 10 times out of 10 right well (laughs) it looked like a huge spot like this they really need to get drive and dtr they kind of go fast to the line and dtr instead of just going straight following his center and trying to get that yard he kind of pulls it out and tries to go along to the side side, yeah just gets absolutely blown up they had this they had this series at second and four and then they ran it up the, they ran it twice for minimal gain. And now he's well, thrice actually for minimal gain and turn it over on downs. Okay. Well then Fresno's about to take control of the game, right? They got the ball. They got a nine point lead. It's getting late in the fourth quarter. Ball at midfield too. Ball at midfield, second and four. And they do the exact same thing. <laughs> where they get stuffed on three straight runs and it's back to being turnover on downs. They go for it on fourth and one and it's a no game for Ronnie Rivers. He gets stuffed. <laughs> um, do you, do you want to say what happened after that? Cause I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> please, please take this from me. I'm floundering here. I, yeah, I don't have... so it goes punt punt. Now we're now we're into the fourth quarter, and Fresno gets the ball and puts together this big drive. They get to the goal line or or to second and goal on the UCLA nine. They're up nine at this point, 26-17 Still, this is the game pretty much. Yeah, they score here. It's it's going to be pretty close to over at that point, and yeah. it's a. Uh, botched exchange basically ball goes out what exactly happened on that fumble i'm, I'm trying to remember ball gets batted back like <laughs> 30 yards though yeah dude they i i yeah i i it was a it was a botched run play and it like there's a fresno lineman who has a clean shot at it and picks it up with one hand and starts running with it instantly gets punched out <laughs> and, and like a UCLA player goes after it a Fresno player like misses the ball and then UCLA finally jumps on it and some dude holds it between his legs to recover the damn fumble oh my um, god this not only did they as you meant as you said they had the ball at the UCLA nine UCLA recovered this fumble at the 43 they lost 34 yards on this fumble <laughs> Yeah. It was a big field position change. Yeah. Three plays later, UCLA scores a touchdown. <laughs> but 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 wait, let's also mention this was not a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. horrible call, just horrible call in favor of UCLA. Deep ball caught by from DTR to Kyle Phillips, and he just—it's like a dive and catch in the end zone. And he just rolls over out. the ball and squirting around on the ground. <laughs> I was so sure they were going to overturn it. Uh, and oh, then wasn't this they to did. Chase Coda? Or, I, I thought it 
thought it was Dakota. Maybe it was to Kyle Phillips. Or maybe I'm thinking of a different touchdown. Because <laughs> there's a lot more of them left in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four um, more, in fact. Yeah, so anyway, so so UCLA gets the benefit of a wild touchdown call. I, I still don't know how they called that. Then, very next play, start the drive. Um, and almost immediately, uh, Fresno fumbles. <laughs> First play of the drive. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So we go from Fresno again a few minutes ago being on the UCLA nine and just ready yeah. to end this game to UCLA having the ball back. And at the Fresno 18, too, because <laughs> he 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 get he caught it on the sideline and he's kind of this is the one where he's backing up. He has his back turned. <laughs> And is backing up, but use but gaining forward yardage, and someone takes out his legs. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, a guy rips it, and it pops into the UCLA's guy's arms, and he runs down the sideline, and gets it to the 18. Crazy. Oh my god. Um. Okay. <laughs> that. So so UCLA has the ball, right? In case you're still following. Yeah. 26-24. <laughs> Three plays, another touchdown. Boom. They're up. They got the game. Or, you know, they got the game in hand. Like, they got the 30-26 to 26 lead. They're, you know, they missed the two. That's okay. Like, yeah. you're still up a touchdown, and you have the ball still. Or, sorry, you don't have the ball still. But, you know, you're at home. You have a touchdown lead. Yeah. And, and this is just go back to when UCLA got stopped on that fourth down. I, I accepted defeat almost for, for the Pac-12. Yeah. But then just the most insane, crazy fumble from the goal line for Fresno. Yeah. Touchdown on a play that shouldn't have been. Immediate fumble. Then quick touchdown <laughs> from 18 yards out. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, UCLA's back. And at this point I'm like, okay, UCLA's, you know, I, I believe in momentum to a certain degree at least. Oh, big time. Yeah. I, I People say it doesn't exist. I, I think it they does. They had all the I momentum. Don't. The Rose Bowl was going yeah. nuts. Yeah. Rose Bowl going nuts. Fresno, There's seven gotta, minutes left in this game. You got to think Fresno can't shake that memory of we were just on the goal line with a chance to put him away. Especially but. when on Fresno's first play of the next drive, they get the ball back. Immediate penalty yep. and illegal snap. So yep. you get moved back. Okay. You got first and 15. Okay. Boom. Big, big play. 28 yard gain. Then you got. <laughs> Um, this was this is a legendary drive. Like they're they're marching down the field. They face a third and two, and they get a big run from Ronnie Rivers. They make it into <laughs> this again. Even like the regular stuff was just going nuts in this fourth quarter. So Fresno has first and goal at the UCLA nine, right? And yep. holding penalty, right? Pushes them back to the nineteen. Next play, first and goal from the 19, and there's an ineligible receiver downfield. Okay, no play. Replay the down, back him up five yards. So we got the third try at first and goal from the 24, and it ends up at third and goal from the 19, and that's the play that produces a touchdown, is the third and goal from the 19. Uh, Hayner gets it into the end zone to Eric Brooks. So, okay, 
Yeah, crazy. And that's the play he gets or, – or the second yes. – the, the second out play is the one where he gets hammered and gets really injured. Yeah, he where, got absolutely or, sandwiched between two yeah, guys. Yeah, his hips just – brutal hit. And the next one, he throws that ball and winces in pain immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah he literally has point, to hold like, himself up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, heroic drive, 255 left. Like, well – Hayner just put it all on the field. Like, that's it. His That's the done. legacy drive. Yeah. He's not playing next week. He's, you know, he's, he is hurt. He is freaking hurt. Oh, when yeah. The, yeah. When the adrenaline wears off, he's out for a while with this, this set entry. He was visibly in pain throwing a 20 yard pass. Yeah. At the end of that drive. Um, and, but then here you go. DTR and the Bruins offense gets the ball back. Yeah. Less um, than three minutes left to play. And, um, this is the drive where I, I, despite what we're going to see in a second, I give credit to UCLA and I, I'm not as upset with them as I am with the rest of the Pac-12 because they battled and they scored on this big drive for themselves. Um, yep. DCR led it, led it the way down. Uh, just a bunch of chunk plays. Um, yeah, they get to their, they get to the 30 yard line and they get the field cut in half by a, uh, Fresno defensive DPI pass interference. Um, and then next play, UCLA scores. So you're like, okay, there's one literally one minute left in the game. And, UCLA touchdown. Fres- and Fresno doesn't have a quarterback who can yes, throw Fresno's quarterback yards. cannot throw the ball. Yeah, you more literally so texted me, Hayner can't throw the ball more than 20 yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just watching it. There's no way this guy can throw it. He's <laughs> wincing in pain. He's like, his his mechanics were like weird. And every yeah, he time like he throws, whole, he like, folds yeah. over. And he's like, it's like, this guy can't throw the ball. They can't yeah, move the ball the whole field in 20 yards. He, and Or in one minute, they, he can't throw it. Again, like after literally every play, from here on out, Jake Hayner is like keeling over in pain and grabbing his ribs every single play for the rest of the game. Um, okay, Fresno gets the ball on their own 25, 54 seconds left, down three, or sorry, down four. Very important, right? Because you can't kick a field yeah. goal. What's going to happen? <laughs> Starts out with an incompletion. All right, not great. Again, Hayner like visibly very injured (laughs) um throws to cropper 10 yards first down next play throws to cropper 27 yards another first down ucla is like oh shit (laughs) and mind you that that second throw was like a very difficult pass to make just in terms of i mean it was from what i remember i think it was in the middle of the field and it was pretty open he was pretty open but to again Hainer is injured at this point. He can't yeah, throw that, the that ball the, very far. That's the ball where he throws it 30 yards or something. I remember texting you. I said, I, yeah. he can't throw it 20 yards. And then I said, okay, well, he can't throw it <laughs> Maybe, <more than> 30 <laughs> <yeah>. yards. <laughs> yeah. But and, and that play gets them to the UCLA 38. No, that's the next play. They have another 27-yard game. There's two in a row where they get just massive. They they cross out half the field in two plays on this drive. Um, yeah, no, no, but I think the other one gets them to the 38, and then the 26 right, yes, uh, yarder gets them to the 12. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. was reading that wrong. Yeah. Okay. 
UCLA takes a timeout at this point. There's 23 seconds left. Like, <laughs> they're, they're just, <laughs> I hope everyone watches game because it was just insane. So crazy. It was such a – it was a perfectly executed three plays there to go 10 yards, 27 yards, 26 yards, get to the 12-yard line. But it's like UCLA calls the timeout, and it's like – I'm like, Hayner better get on the field and throw this thing because he's like if – the, if the adrenaline wears off one bit, <laughs> exactly. he's going to be like writhing on the ground in pain. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know what, like, I, I don't know painkillers enough to tell you which one he should have taken, but he needed the strongest one you could get. Um, next play, like, it, this whole thing kind of gets doubt cast upon it uh, because Rivers loses a yard, and now it's Fresno who's in oh shit time. But never fear, Hayner completes the pass to Cropper again. <laughs> 14 seconds left. He nips the corner um, and they get the touchdown and it's (laughs) I think yeah, they they kick it to go up three and at this point I was still thinking like maybe UCLA has a chance here just based on what I had seen so far in this game. Again, very reminiscent of that Wazoo game from a couple years back. You got to watch this Hayner throw, though, if you haven't seen it first off. The Hayner throw, and then he literally is like collapsing, (laughs) looking to the sky. It was such an epic moment. Like, oh my, it was insane. It was everything you love about college football. Was just honestly, yeah. Except the Pac 12 losing, but sometimes that's kind of fun too, especially when it makes your resume look better, which it does. Um, Yeah. So yeah, UCLA couldn't couldn't do anything on the their fourteen seconds or eight seconds or whatever the hell they had left. Didn't even give themselves a shot, really. No, they didn't. Yeah. yeah, it was a really weird way to end the game, honestly, considering the improbability that had just occurred before that. But yeah, so there's yeah. your recap of the UCLA Fresno game. What a game right. it was. So anyway, so. Hopefully, after all that, you guys have an idea of how disastrous this Saturday really was for the conference. Yeah, again, uh, again, let's restate real quick. Whole conference goes six and six, five and five and five in non-conference games. All five wins are from the north. All five losses are from the south. Um, and, so and this is after the exact opposite happened in week exactly. one, was it? Yeah, it was week one when the South, South lost, looks... went five and one, and the North went one and five. And the one was Oregon Fresno. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All so right, do you, you want to power get rank these chumps? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Number one, I've Oregon. got Oregon. Yeah, it's you've not got Oregon. Close. I think it's worth saying here that, that <laughs> this Fresno win actually does change the way you view Oregon a little bit. I think it should at least. Um, this isn't about me forecasting forward for how I view Oregon. I think there's, like we've said, there's a lot to be seen with this Oregon team still. Can they play consistently and beat this Pac-12 regardless of how bad they look, the Pac-12 looks? Mm-hmm. But now that Fresno and and Ohio State win together are two really impressive wins, honestly. The Fresno game even – 
though it was close, Oregon controlled that game pretty well. Mm -hmm. And it felt like watching it, it did feel like a game where Oregon pulled out a seven-point win, but they didn't play their best football at all. Um, And so... Yeah, and I mean, as as we were talking about beforehand, like allow me to forecast forward a little bit for Fresno State. Like this is a team that could win the Mountain West. Um, right. And that might not sound like much, but think about who usually wins the Mountain West. Boise. And you kind of expect Boise to be in a New Year's Six game every year or at least competing for one. So Fresno could very much end up in that group of five New Year's Six spot. God, we get so many weird, weird numbers in college football, but go ahead. They're good. I mean, you look at this – how this uh, schedule shapes out. It's going to be a Halloween weekend game against San Diego State is going to be a big one probably for them and, and Boise big the next time. week. But Boise doesn't look that special either. Yeah, that three-game stretch, though, Nevada, SDSU, and Boise are tough. But, again, they do have Nevada and Boise at home, which are arguably their, their two toughest going forward. Yeah, I mean, and Nevada, you know, barely beat Cal, who, who I don't think is great. I mean – Nevada's a solid team that Fresno can lose that game, but Fresno deserves to be favored and will be favored by a decent chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Fresno's good. Again, Fresno Fresno looks like a good team. And I think we said it at the time. We learned more this week. But they're easy to root for, too. Yeah. I mean, but, we'll see what happens with this Hainer thing. But, I mean, they play entertaining football. Ronnie Rivers is really fun to watch. It's yeah. so, so good for our resume, as you're mentioning. Um, so, yeah, we all know Oregon top team. They're, they're the A-level team in this. The this, only one. Yeah. The only one. Honestly, I would venture to say there are no more B-level teams. Yeah, it's probably true. Well, um, I don't know. We'll see. Who's your number two? Mine's UCLA still. Mine's UCLA completely. Okay. Because okay. I still think Fresno's pretty good. Exactly. And – UCLA played them all right. I mean, Fresno Fresno honestly looked like I. <laughs> if they played this game again, I might pick Fresno. I probably would. I think yeah. um, it would be close, you know. But but it wasn't like a crazy upset where Fresno Fresno was the team that turned the ball over a few times. Uh, I mean, both teams both teams made their mistake. <laughs> it was a it was a wacky game, but I don't think the balls bounced disproportionately Fresno's way either. Agree. That makes yeah. sense. And again, uh, I'm I don't know about you, but I very much tried not to keep future game like I tried not to project with these rankings. I mean, I'm assuming you would also have UCLA lower if we were taking that into account. Just because again, they don't have another bye week until week ten. Um, I yeah, and in I, that span it's at Stanford, at ASU, you know, Arizona, at UW, U of O, at Utah. That's very tough. I didn't project in terms of their schedule, but I was kind of trying to power rate them more than I was trying to resume rank them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so third, uh, I have USC. I also have USC. Yeah. And, and I think... Um, that second half against Wazoo is very impressive. Arguably yeah, the most impressive. I mean... Other, you know, not including Oregon's game against Ohio State, it's probably the most impressive looking half that any team had. 
Yeah, I think UCLA looked good against LSU, but but LSU is just seeming more and more kind of fraudulent. um, Fraudulent. Yeah, that's a good word. I love that word. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but but I think it's certainly up there. It was it was a really impressive half that they deserve credit for. So right now I've I have UCLA and USC in a tier together. Okay. Okay. Um, I got Stanford next. A little bit below that. I have Stanford next as well. A little bit below that. Yeah, I I think they're. That's the start of a of a decent sized tier for me. Yeah, same. (laughs) This is kind of the why are you crapping all over yourself tier in at least one game this season. And I think Stanford for me looks like the team that I think could move up the clearest from that. That that they've looked good the past two weeks. If I didn't see them versus Kansas State. And it was a different quarterback given that I, I do realize that. But if I didn't see that game, I would have them in the B tier probably. Uh, or the or the tier with this the second yeah, I tier mean, with UCLA USC. I mean, you can't just disregard it, obviously, but I think we're gonna see a very and we already have seen a very different Stanford team going forward from that. Yeah. Lost yeah. KSU. And KSU looks like a pretty good team so far. Yeah. They're they're undefeated. They beat Nevada kind of convincingly in the second half. So we'll see and how they, they do. They snuck, play. They Without their the, starting they, quarterback. They snuck in the AP rankings, I think, as well. Oh, did they? Little this 25? week, I think they snuck in at 25. Nice. Um, like that. Which, again, I, I, you know, AP rankings I don't care that much about, but they do mean something for narratives. They just do. Um, fifth, I have Arizona State. I also have Arizona State. And hey, see, same top five so far. Nice, yeah. I switched them with Oregon State. Is Oregon I, State your six? I yes, they are. They're my six as well. Wow, let's just keep going. Washington seven. No, I have oh. Utah seven. Okay, Utah's my eight. But okay, let's talk about Arizona yeah. State real quick. Yeah. BYU, you know, looks like an okay team, but this is a game Arizona State should be winning. It's a game they were favored in. They haven't shown us a ton against Southern Utah and UNLV. They were both games where you kind of have to brush them off till the next week to see what they mean. And now we know that they, you know, don't mean all that much once they lose to BYU. So again, BYU is now three and O on the season. They beat Utah last week. They beat ASU this week. They beat Arizona in week one. So They would be leading the Pac-12 South right now, and they would probably be the favorites for it at this point if they were playing in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Do you have anything to say about Arizona State other than that Jaden Daniels is – I think we can put the fraudulent label on him. Yeah, it's all – it's just – Entire uh, South is fraudulent, bro. I mean – Everyone's – the entire conference is fraudulent except for Oregon. Honestly, more frauds. Uh, Oregon State, you know, hey, covered that 28-point spread against Iowa, uh, against Idaho, not Iowa. That would be great. But, no, you know, they beat I- Idaho at home. Um, and their only losses to Purdue. I don't really have anything else to say about them. Yep, yep. Cool. They deserve to be right <laughs> in there. I have – It's, it's I have... more so everyone else – I'll say this about them them being in the top half of our respective power rankings is mostly because everyone else is bad, not because they've done anything particularly good. Is that safe to say? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, okay. they've they've done their job. You know, they've gone out and played to their. They've done what I thought they ex- I expected them they've, to do. Maybe exactly, just to yeah. take better, yeah. and everyone else has. People who have fallen behind them have been because they played worse than they should have. Uh, I have Utah seven. Um, it sounds like you have Washington seven and Utah eight, and we yeah. just have this flipped. Yeah, I mean, if Washington had covered by a little bit against Arkansas State, you know, sure. But they, I mean, again, it looks like they finally got things figured out on offense, at least in terms of beating, like, the rest of these Pac-12 teams below them. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. I'm not yeah, – I'm, I'm, by no means I'm, I'm not betting on them to win any of those games, but – Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. It and, takes and them could, from this is a terrible FCS team to, you know, this is a mid middle of the road Pac-12 team. And again, when we went through this in the early season, I mean, I thought Washington could go 10 and 2. Yeah. Um, I legitimately did too. Did. They were yeah. supposed to be favored in like every game except that Michigan one. Yeah. Basically pick them. No, that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um who you got at instead of Utah. I have Utah at eight. Who do you have? I have Washington at eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we just flipped those two. Yeah, and, and I think it's fine to have them either way. Uh, I agree. I, yeah, I think Washington is a team that if they got it, if they really get it together, which I'm skeptical of, but if they do, they could be the second best team in this conference. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. or top five team or whatever it is. I, I mean, given how wide open it is, any of these teams could. Um, I agree. Well, not yeah, any, not any of them, but any in this tier at least. Um, yeah. So Utah. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought. You were... Well, yeah, and just, but for me, still, why I have Utah above them is because I can understand their their performance at San Diego State, and I trust them to correct their problems more than I do Washington's. Just based on that Arkansas State game, I'm just not willing to forgive how poorly they looked in Montana and Michigan based based on an Arkansas state result. I was impressed by it. I was surprised by it. I didn't think they could put up 52. I, I don't think anyone with a brain could have really projected them to put up 52 based on how horrible that offense looked. So we're, we'll see. Washington is very much in wait and see territory after that one though. They could move. They could definitely move up. Yeah. Remember when at the beginning of the year we were, we and, other people, not just us, we're talking about how Utah at USC was about to be like the decider in the Pac-12 South in week six. And both teams were supposed to come in like undefeated and, you know, mm-hmm. both be 4-0 and like looking really good. Yeah. Well, USC lost to Stanford bat, like got blown out by Stanford at home and Utah are one and two. Yeah. With the one being against Weber State. So, God, at best they can be two and two with their best win being Wazoo before they play that game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we'll we'll see on Utah. Like I do it, agree it, though. I think they can correct themselves. And USC better. still plays BYU to end the year. That's a good point. Um, Ooh, one sec. Let me let me check on this. BYU play so they've already played three Pac twelve teams. Um they play – oh, I was thinking about Boise. Never mind. Yeah, USC is that last Pac-12 team they play. Who's next? It's really, it's really funny because BYU beat every Pac-12 team the exact same way, or at least the scores are 24-16, 26-17, yeah. and 27-17. Like, they're all 
they're all yeah just bring the energy and versus mid, yeah versus uh mid-teens anyways next on my list well so that's the end of a tier for me i have stanford arizona state oregon state utah and washington to refresh the folks at home in a tier uh, what would you call that tier i would call that could still still could be the second best team of the conference tier I'm going to correct that to division because Oregon state can't be the best second best team in a comp in the conference at any point. I just don't see it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But the, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Mate. You know what? No, I'll run with that. I'll run with that. There are uh, some terrible teams. in this conference. It might, now. it might be that you might be right, but also like, I do think that another team will inevitably get their shit together and be better than Oregon state. But I also am gonna put Oregon State in there just because I respect that they've done they've they've taken care of business. Yeah, yeah, they've taken care of business. (laughs) And they're last incredibly low bar. They haven't lost since week one, which is apparently something to celebrate. (laughs) They played a respectable game against a solid (laughs) Purdue team, (laughs) and right now that's a big result for this conference. Uh, Reed, can never mind. I'm not even going to ask you about it. There are only two other teams who haven't lost since week one in the Pac-12: Stanford and Oregon. Hmm. So just just floating that one out there. Uh, who's next below Utah for or like Utah slash Washington for you? I got Cal. Yeah. I've got Colorado. Are Cal and Colorado switchable yeah. for you? Yeah. Yeah, nine and ten. Cal and Colorado. Tim. It's it's just it's just a matter of do you do you like consistent mediocrity from Cal or <laughs> do you reward the fact that Colorado actually put together an impressive result versus AM? It's not it's a loss though. Again, this is what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Like it's a loss, man. <laughs> like, right. If if you wanted it to be an impressive result, you shouldn't have given up a touchdown on third and goal or whatever it was. Yeah. Like and they looked – I mean, that, that or Minnesota Or, like, have game, any semblance of an offense. Yeah. That Minnesota game is one of the worst that, for this conference ever because you just – there's not even any, any type of shred of, oh, maybe Colorado isn't as bad as they looked. Maybe Colorado could beat Minnesota later in the year. Maybe – No, this looked like a game that 10 times out of 10 Minnesota was winning. It looks like it might take 10 games for Colorado to score a point. Jesus. Oh, boy. Um, but, but on the other side of that coin, I mean, Cal just hasn't, hasn't done much for me either. They've been – I don't know. Cal probably deserves it now that I think about it. The TCU yeah, I was result, giving them the nod because, again, against TCU, if they don't fail a two-point conversion, then they're taking that to overtime most likely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. That's and true. I, I don't remember they, the score from the Sac State game, but 42 30. Right. 30. Yeah. Okay. That's not great. Even so, Nevada's it is, yeah. somewhat respectable. So that loss isn't, that's still a terrible loss. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as bad as like, then <sighs> I, I don't uh it's not as bad as utah state which is what this next team on my list did in week one um 
Wazoo, man. I will admit I did project a little bit with this one, but also like where else are you going to put this team? Rolovich is getting fired, dude. He's got it, right? Yeah. There's, I really, really – I don't hope he gets fired, actually. BYU plays Wazoo, too. Oh, my God. Oh, you're right in week eight. Oh, jeez. Yeah, man. Wazoo. So they don't, Jesus, what is the schedule, man? They have I did I write this down wrong or did they not have a bye till week 10? Um no, they don't yeah, they don't have a bye until yeah, after that Arizona State game. Uh, do they play an extra game or something? No. Or wait, what? Yeah, I def I definitely typed this out wrong. They play oh. – no, no, I think they play an extra game. No, because they only have three out of conference on there. Dear listeners, we know this is terrible, but just oh, spare no. me, please. No, 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 yeah. No, no, they play in week – they buy in week 10, and they have three games after that. Yeah, that's, that's 10, 12 games. Ugh. No, that – oh, Jesus. Oh my God. You're right. Okay. Dude, the week zero column is screwing me up so much right now. So much. Um, wow, you're, you went scary robot for a second there, man. Um, oh, am I better now? Yeah, you're fine. All right. I don't want to talk about Washington State, nor do I really want to talk about Arizona, but I do want to talk about um, it's kind of funny. I mentioned like the people I was in my house with me were watching something they were watching dexter right you ever seen that show mm-hmm. it's pretty yes. good anyways i'm watching arizona and northern arizona because i hate myself and they were doing this like weird like school profile i think on northern arizona i don't know what it was but they were showing like notable alums and stuff like that and the actor who plays dexter is one of them and i was like wait what it's like the DiCaprio meme, right? Where he's pointing. Yeah, so that that's my little blurb about that game. Their mascot's pretty cool, though. The lumberjack, right? Something like that. Lumberjacks, yeah. Yep. I think I had a cousin who went there. Okay, All right. So... <laughs> and by the so, way, those well, those last four, I'm assuming, are like Arizona deserves their own shit tier. By the way, yeah, I sincerely believe that yeah. they deserve to. They they might I've, go twelve. I have Arizona in their own shit tier, but I have Wazoo flirting with that tier. That's fair. Yeah. But not, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, man. But, okay. So, that's real what quick. That's it was for I, the Pac 12. Yeah. And I sent you a couple things earlier with regards to SP Plus. S, SP Plus? SP yeah. Plus? Yep. Phil yeah, Connolly does it for ESPN. Um, Arizona has a 30% chance to go 0 and 12. <laughs> and Oregon has Jesus. a 4% chance to win out and go undefeated. So I guess what that tells yeah. us is that it's easier to drop a game than it is to randomly win a game. Is that fair? <laughs> is that correct in your eyes? <laughs> yeah, uh, we, yeah, I mean, Yes, that's what those numbers tell us. But what do you, what would you have put that number at? Oregon's chances to go twelve and zero for those listening. Bill Connolly, S and P Plus, like you just says, has Oregon at four percent to go twelve and zero. What would you have put that number up at before you saw it? Mm, 
probably about 25 30 yeah yeah i think that's fair that i would have it close to that under 50 definitely that's a big, yeah i mean again a, I, I would that's think a big difference i would think it's the same as arizona losing out <laughs> <laughs> although maybe that's a funny way to put it but maybe I, I get what you're saying i don't know 30 percent even surprised me I, I think that's more like 40 but I don't. I don't know what to make of this Connolly thing. Is my is my point? Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's but it's the same as those FPI numbers that I pulled up a lot last year, that I think are really fun to look at. But I start to just question the legitimacy of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this model's just weird to me. I mean, I don't know whether it's an organ thing or it's a. Um, just model thinking upsets are more common than they are or if, or if it's a, or us thinking they're less common than they are but i mean i'm someone who who first off i feel like i'm always the person who's on twitter and stuff saying an upset's going to happen chaos is the normal in in the uh in college football and mm-hmm. not all these teams are going to go undefeated because i feel like so many people who follow the sport a little less closely have in their mind that Clemson, Ohio state and Bama and Oklahoma haven't lost a game in the regular season in four years, which isn't true. <laughs> um, somehow well, there's a mass psychosis about that. Yeah. And but, as we, as we mentioned at the beginning of the year, the COVID year didn't help much in that regard. Obviously Oklahoma all, got knocked out, yeah. but, but yeah, a chalk reigned supreme last year. But, but anyways, you look at these Connolly numbers, the top of it is 21% Georgia, 21% Oklahoma, and BAM is at 16%. All those mm, seem, seem a little low to me, but I, it's weird that Oregon isn't in that category to me too. Yeah. Even if you think Oregon's worse than those teams, which I don't begrudge you for thinking, you surely have to also think the Pac-12 is a lot worse than the SEC. Yeah, I think it really boils down to because I was I was thinking the same way you were, like, how are we so low, damn? And I do think we are too low. But I think I think the way I am kind of explaining it to myself is that our offense has slightly underperformed against the and defense really like our team in general has underperformed against the worst teams and oh like overperformed in the most important game yeah um I again doubt these numbers as, have cave absence filled in anyways, it, that's but. that's the other thing is like the number lowers a little bit for me if cave is out longer term yeah um and honestly with like i we're not talking about this flow absence enough, man. If he's really out for the entire year, which it looks like he is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had guys step up against Ohio state, but that's still a small sample size. And like, no, and, and I'll be honest this deep into the pot. I, I said the thing about Nate Hukulani, uh before we did that second half, before I saw the second half stream with, with, uh, QB 11 and honestly that was when some of the flaws of of Nate's game kind of I'm I'm very I'm pretty comfortable having Keith Brown back there that dude is huge yeah but man 
we're missing KT and Flo for extended periods. Yeah. I, but I, 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 yeah. The other thing that I think people don't understand is the, the public in general just has a pretty poor grasp of statistics. Um, this is true. <laughs> so just to tell you how this number actually breaks out, and, and I'm doing this based on the FPI, and I assume Connolly's numbers are not that big of a difference from him. But what it's going to say is, is that Oregon has a 75% chance to beat Stanford. It's going to say Oregon has a 65% mm-hmm. chance to beat UCLA. Let's say something like that. And the yeah. rest of the games are close the rest of the games up to that point are going to be close to 5%, right? But what yeah. you're going to do is you're going to take three quarters of 65% and all of a sudden Oregon is already under 50% to win just yeah. both those two games. Yeah. I, that's, what, that's how the statistics of it work. That's how math works. You can quibble with what those two numbers should be um, I don't know. I don't really, I think Oregon has a more close to close to a 75% chance to beat UCLA, uh, right now. And I think they have probably closer to a 85% chance to beat Stanford. Yeah. That's it's not more than that. I mean, st- again, we were talking a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this Stanford team as being one of the worst in the PAC 12 and that's saying something. Yeah. Cool. They look good against Vanderbilt. Like, you got to give me something a little more to, to make me really believe. Um, if you're an Oregon fan, don't look at the SP plus rankings, the overall rankings. I mean, go read Bill's article, but maybe just block out the part where you see Oregon. Yeah. Um, so so we're pretty I'm, far down there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm just going through some of these other things. Um, some of these other big games that Oregon plays and just looking at what the percentages are on FBI. So just for reference, like I said, it's, it's a 75% chance to beat Sanford 65 ish to beat UCLA. Uh, and then a lot of, and then the Washington game, Oregon has about a 70% chance to win uh, the Utah games, another about a 70% chance. And then the Oregon state games a little less than a 90% chance. And then the rest of them are around five. So if you do those numbers, you're going to get down below 20% pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what he has. But I, I, even I think the FBI probably has us as a better chance to win out. Let me look. I think they, they even include the um, conference title game, with which Connolly's number does not. So yeah, that's true. I don't – it still is, is kind of – Connolly's numbers, low. I'm pretty sure, like SP plus is just based on offensive and defensive ratings. Um, yeah. For example, like Alabama fell pretty far. I mean, they're still number one overall, but in terms of ratings, they kind of fell with only a two point win against Florida, for example. Yeah. Uh, which, speaking of which, do you want to talk about some of these national games from this weekend? Yeah. Um, yeah. First off, I just want to mentioned the FPI what they have they have Oregon at 12.3% chance to win out they have them at 1.7 projected losses uh in 11.7 games um well I mean do you put let's be honest right now Oregon's win total is at 
right now for regular season should be at 11 or 11 and a half. And where's the juice on that for you? Juice to the under. Um, juice to the under at which number? At 11 and a half? Yeah. Honestly, solid 11. Juice to the over. Slight juice to the over. Yeah. That's that's what I would probably put it at. I haven't looked at updated numbers at all or anything, but that just kind of seems like where we're headed. Again, like even it's us, probably a solid eleven. It really is. Yeah, even us as hardcore fans would say that it's more likely than not that we drop a game in yeah, in the regular season. Um, that's just how football works, man. <laughs> we should we should just redo this monologue at the start of. Uh... Next pod, we should talk about the chances of winning because I'm sure a lot of people aren't here anymore. Uh, but and all fairness uh, to them, yeah, yeah. So do you do you want to talk about the rest of these games, or you want to get out of here and do it on the honestly? I'm, I'm good with either. Like, there's not really much to talk about. If you're listening to this, you know the scores already. You know what happened. Um, the the Clemson game, real quick. I just want to say. Clemson looked fraudulent. Their offense looked really bad. Um, their defense is good, but that that game was within a any what decent team. Can, did you watch that or no? No, I'm just now looking at the score. I I was listening to a pod earlier, and I must have re. I I thought they said 40, no. not 14. No, yeah. Georgia Tech had the ball with a chance to force OT, uh, and were at the goal line. It was wow, bad. Man. It was wow. it was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, they... I, I see a safety in there. There's a five point quarter. <laughs> Last second safety. Uh or or like almost uh yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy. Yeah, as I mentioned, I didn't get I didn't get to watch much of Bama, Florida. I was watching like the West Virginia game. That was fun. Lost a bet on Virginia Tech, which is cool. Um, there were I, a lot of good games, though. There were, yeah. Nebraska, Oklahoma was a tight one. Um, Cincinnati, Indiana was definitely better than the scoreline said. Indiana was looking like they were going to win that game for about two and a half or three quarters. That's the main game I was watching. Some good yeah. midweek games too. Like, uh, Mer- did you watch the Maryland and Illinois? Maryland had a great comeback at the end of no, that. I one. didn't. I didn't. Little Tua had a had a good game there. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about this week's slate. I obviously I didn't get to watch Auburn yeah, we, State, but I hear that was well, pretty awesome. Let's do some cleanup on it on the regular thing. There's a discussion to be had about um, about Alabama, Florida, and how that compared to the Oregon Alabama or Oregon Ohio State game. Um, okay, that I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on. Okay. Uh, so yeah, let, let's just clean that up to, uh, on the midweek one. But yeah, thanks to everyone who listened this far. Um, like, subscribe, share. Check out Scoop Duck. Rate us five and... stars, please. Pretty yes. please. Because we're ad-free. And yeah, <laughs> I don't really, I don't know how those correlate, but maybe we won't be ad-free <laughs> unless we get more ratings. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening, people. Uh, excited for conference play to kick off. Um, 
Yeah, for real. Cool. And just like tweet us questions if you have a question that you want discussed. Sometimes we forget. Oh, to oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh, god. We we were we had a question from Dylan. McKinnon. Oh, and should we say? Oh, that's right. One or do we do it now? Um, let let's save it for the for the midweek one. Okay, we, I'm putting. Well, it in give, the give a one word answer for it, actually, and then we can elaborate on the little pod. Okay, hopefully Dylan's watching still. Um, no, Jay, no K- problem if you aren't. <laughs> Jay Kaner would be the blank best quarterback in the Pac-12. Jay Kaner <laughs> would be the this season. Jay Kaner would. I mean, what are we supposed to fill in the blank? Because I think so, it's just supposed to be blank. You know what, wait, what do you mean? I think he would be the best quarterback in the Pac-12. From what we've seen so far this <laughs> year, I'm ser- who are you taking over him? Jackson Dart? <laughs> I, might take, I, I might take Dart over him. Honestly, I probably would. I think there's a case for Dart Daniels and Anthony Brown. Maybe, yeah. As a and, game. I mean, but you could also argue Hayner outplayed Brown in their head-to-head game. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I think the, I'm not taking these. This isn't like I'm taking them, but Tanner McKee, Dart, Anthony Brown, well, Slovis or Dart, depending who you have. Anthony yeah, count Brown, that as one, yeah. Yeah, DTR and uh, Daniels. Dude, I are don't the, know. Are, the, I might... Those are the five you could even like. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So Start the, to try to construct an argument for. At the minimum, reality, he's top half. At minimum. Hayner's top half. Yeah, at worst, at worst he's six, but he's probably... Probably like top three, I want to say. Yeah. I think I like Brown. I do like Brown. Um, Me too. And again, especially against Ohio State. But I mean, he didn't he didn't light it up against Stony Brook. <laughs> Hayner's pretty good though. Right now, I think Dart long term you have to take, but Hayner might be one right now. He 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 did. He might, man. If again, if this was like, if this was no, what quarterback has shown you they can shine? to get a win in the way Hayner did DTR, I guess, but I mean, DTR is, he's got more wins against Pac-12 opponents than any other Pac-12 team so far. Yeah. I think he's won. I actually think he's won. Like oh, if wait. you remove yeah, all sorry. bias, you remove ceiling, you remove just who he's got as many next, wins. <laughs> next week you have a game. You could any court any team could trade their quarterback for a one week game for Hayner in like video game style where scheme doesn't matter and everything. Yeah, exactly. Video uh, game style. Okay, that's a good way to look at it. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would replace him with a. I don't think I would replace AB with him. Well, yeah, he's so, actually, he's, so I, he's definitely a better passer. <laughs> yeah, and he's More just effective at Fresno. He is yeah, one of the same got a good with thing their game, with their scheme in the way too, and, and their weapons are. I mean, the the funny thing is, you'd usually have this conversation, and you'd say, "Well, I mean, yeah, look at how good Hayner looks with 
worse weapons than everyone he's playing. It's true. But he's got the, like better. <laughs> yeah, he's better than everyone outside of Oregon, probably. Um, USC. Yeah, I mean Drake yeah, USC with like London. Yeah, with London. Yeah. But yeah, Rivers is legit. I mean, I mean again, yeah. Fresno could Fresno would be not not just have a top half quarterback at minimum. I'm saying at minimum they are a top half Pac-12 team. It's in all seriousness, like they could be legit this year in the Pac-12. Oh, if I haven't oh. looked at this, but based on team talent composite, they they probably are top half already. Well, I don't know about that. I think they are the second best team in the Pac-12. Jesus, how depressing is that, man? If I wanted to be a hot take guy, I would have let the, the – or if I wanted to do that thing, like I would have led the podcast with it. But now that we're here, I'll no, just say we're it. humble. I, I think they're the second guy. We stay <laughs> humble. We stay humble begging people for these five-star reviews. So please leave them if you can. And be happy. Be happy that you have a good football team. Don't complain about stuff. Yeah. All right um that's enough of us we're well over two hours man um yeah geez yeah it's like past your bedtime right now you're you're on tomorrow already yep i'm already on monday, on monday. back to right, school man. back on back. school day yeah it's it's still online for a week but yeah rough all, all right, right man signing off go ducks go ducks <laughs>